0: Baseball 365
1: Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston.
0: Welcome to episode 89 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, host of this show. Thank you for taking some time to spend with us today. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes 365 And you can follow Andrew on Twitter at AMCQ82. You can also join our Facebook group, Baseball365, where baseball lives 365 days a year. Every day there's something new getting posted, trade talks, dynasty news, whatever's going on. It's getting discussed over there. And we also would appreciate it if you would take a few minutes and leave us a five-star rating and write a review on iTunes a good way to help us get our name out there on tonight's episode we are covering Andrew's NFBC draft which is now complete Andrew signed up the very first day it was it was open and he got in the league and we've already got draft a draft that complete to talk about so this should be a lot of fun all right, Andrew. We'll bring you on now, and the question of the day is baseball-related with your Cubbies, because there's been some news with that organization in the last week, and that is that Theo Epstein is out as GM of the Cubs. And you know, there's a lot to that we could unpack here, but I just wanted to come, ask you one simple question right now. Where does he rank in terms of the all-time list of Cubs? And when I say that, I'm including players, managers, and owners. Like, if we were making a Mount Rushmore, would he be on that in the history of the Chicago Cubs?
1: Uh, He's definitely up there. I don't know. He's probably on mine, but I don't think (laughs) he would probably be on most people's just because he wasn't a player. You know, that's really it. I mean... Hard to argue with like <clears throat> Ernie Bank <clears throat> excuse me, Ernie Banks, Billy Williams, Sosa, Sandberg, you know. It's just it's tough when you're comparing that, but he's um he's probably on mine.
0: Yeah. I think he would be on mine too, just for coming in and getting you that championship. But yeah, it's one of those that's um, you know, if most people are gonna go with the players, like you've said. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I I, I was listening to another podcast where they are talking about these Cubs, and I guess there's a bunch of guys that are going to be free agents in the next year or two. So it's going to be real interesting to see what comes of that. But we won't go into depth much further on that right now because we have an NFBC draft that you did to cover. So um, we'll just dive into that now, and I'll – mentioned that you had the 10th overall pick in this draft andrew and my first question for you is did you have a specific strategy for how you wanted to attack this draft because since you're one of the first leagues there is no nfbc data available so you're kind you're setting the bar here with this draft so what was your did you have any strategies going in
1: yeah it was kind of weird it's like um Normally there's just a lot more available. Like when I'm drafted, this is the earliest I've really ever drafted. I think it was the second one to start. Um, and just much for any- earlier than, yeah, right. Just, <laughs> just for anybody not familiar, it's a 15 team, um, draft and hold. So you just draft 50 players, have them all season. And all you do in season is just the substitutions and stuff. So that's kind of your, you know, your player pool for the year. Uh, as far as strategy, You know, I really didn't have a lot of strategy going into this because I just like with these early drafts, I'm just kind of wanting to familiarize myself kind of with the player pool where guys are going to be drafted. And um, I definitely learned a lot, which we'll get to it, you know, but um, one thing I kind of thought was I wanted to get a closer. I felt really good about and that's mostly just because there aren't many of them right now because it's so early you know later as the offseason progresses you know once we get into february and march i might be willing to wait later or i will probably be able to wait later on uh, on like a closer but in this draft i just wanted to have somebody that i felt good about because there's going to be a lot of moving parts with that and stuff as we move through the offseason so i definitely did that and other than that just tried to make I know it sounds, uh, not to make it sound too simple, but just try to make good picks every time I was on the clock. So,
0: <laughs> And it's interesting. Like I said, you don't have any ADP really to go off of. There's a couple, I mean, there's people who have top 300, top 500 lists out there, but you really don't have any of that data that a lot of us look at. I mean, so many people in the industry look at NFBC data because that's where the big, you know, people are, paying pretty good money to get in and it's got an a- average draft of it in position so um le- let me go into this then um, before we get started uh, and start looking at all these picks what what are your big reactions coming out of this in terms of um, just what without the ADP here what was your first reactions
1: like with my team or just in general or in general? I mean, there's, there's a lot, you know, it's just kind of, um, I guess with my team specifically, I felt like there were spots during the draft where I was surprised somebody fell to me. And, you know, with like the draft as a whole, it's just, it's kind of like that shock when you first see somebody go in spot where you have never seen them go before. Yep. That's, um. There was a lot of that going on, and I knew there would be. Um, so it was kind of, uh, it, it got to the point once it got to probably round, a, I'd say, between round 10 and 15, where it just became a free for all. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, get your guys that you want, you know, and kind of sort it out later. So there was a lot of that. I mean, I, I wasn't afraid to take shots where i wanted to take them but um once i get past a certain point in these drafts especially because it's draft and hold i'm just trying to kind of put together a team that has you know upside at each spot and can produce different stats at each spot too like i like having middle infielders that provide speed and then ones that provide power too so you can kind of shake up your lineup as you go through the season, depending on what you need and stuff like that. So I try and just kind of have a balance always with like prospects and, um, not too many, obviously, because you have to be able to feel the team, but I like taking a few shots too. So but yeah, not, overall, overall it was a lot of fun. So.
0: You're not kidding. As I'm looking at round 10 specifically, that's when I can tell that that looks like a free fall round. but we'll get into that here in a bit. All right. Um, round one, You had pick number 10, and you took, I almost said Justin, but no, Shane Bieber. (laughs) (laughs) We've talked about Bieber a decent amount, and I'm not at all surprised you took him there. But was there anybody else you were really considering, or was that a pretty easy pick there at 10?
1: Pretty easy. I was mostly between Bieber and Story, And it was really just, do I want the pitcher or do I want the hitter? I mean, I know a lot of people would have probably taken story. That's totally fine. I actually strongly considered it myself. And if I did it again, I might. Um, The one thing that I will say is I feel like the top three pitchers with Bieber and DeGrom and Cole are kind of in a little bit of a tier of their own. And the other two were off the board. It just made a lot of sense. I mean – I felt like I'd get a good hitter on the way back and I did. So and not that I wouldn't have gotten a good pitcher on the way back, but I um I prefer the combo that I got to like story and one of the pitchers that would have been available with my second pick. Yeah. So. I'm
0: with you. A month ago I would have told you I'm taking story there. And as we've gotten a little further into this off season I'm changing my tune on this. And I think you what you said there. I I think Story and Bieber are kind of the end of a tier right there. Of the, like I think there's that right after Story, like is Yelich, and I think Yelich is a fringe guy. But I'd much rather have Story at this point. I just feel more comfortable with it. But Story's also at one of the deepest positions, maybe the deepest position in fantasy baseball right now. Meanwhile, Bieber is the end of an elite tier right there and on the pitching is the hardest thing to fill in these in these drafts so
1: yeah yeah uh, that's one thing that's one thing I wanted to mention too is there's probably I'm probably going to be talking a lot in the offseason about wanting to get pitchers early I mean as as you go through this draft and I mean obviously I was in it and I've looked at the board a ton and you know kind of thought it all out but The pitching dries up quicker to me than maybe it ever has before. And uh, when I say that, I don't mean that there aren't, there are obviously guys in round 12, 15, 20, 25 that are going to break out and shoot up the board. You know, that's going to happen. But when you wait on the elite, you know, if you just wait till round five, six, seven to take your first starter. You're basically saying I am banking on hitting on those breakouts because you're already behind the eight ball. I mean, there's guys in this draft that have Blake Snell as their ace, Max Freed as their ace, Carlos Carrasco as their ace, Kyle Hendricks, Sonny Gray. That's five teams right there. And I don't want those guys as my ace. I just don't. So, and I'm not saying they can't win because they do have, I mean, obviously they were taking offense early, but it's just tough. Like I just feel like they are going to have to hit on breakout pitchers. And if they do that, then maybe they're okay. But that's also provided the offense stays healthy. I just like, just as one example, this is the best example I could come up with at the eight, nine turn, just to show you the pitchers and bats available in the same spot. Tristan McKenzie and Chris Bryant. That was the eight, nine turn. I'm taking Chris Bryant over Tristan McKenzie a hundred times out Mm -hmm. of a hundred in a redraft league. Like it isn't even close to me, not at all. And that, I mean, and you could say what you want about, Oh, one was too high. One was too low or whatever, but that just gives you an idea of pitchers available in that spot versus hitters available in that spot it just isn't even close when you get to a certain point so
0: and the next two picks in that on that right after that turn are carlos correa and chris sale who's probably not even going to pitch till june or july at the earliest
1: yeah possibly yeah
0: i i I, yeah the guys don't come back and pitch right at the beginning of the season anymore when they have tj or at least i don't remember it's been a while since we've seen it it's where yeah wow Okay, well, I'm going to keep this moving, and I want to read off the first 15 picks of this draft because everybody always likes to hear about the first 15 picks. And in this order, it went number one, Mike Trout, then Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna. <laughs> I had autocorrect say kookier on my iPad, but that was Mookie <laughs> at four. Jose Ramirez at five, Fernando Tatis Jr. at six, Garrett Cole, Jacob deGrom at seven and eight back to back. Trey went nine, and then you took Bieber at ten. Story at eleven. Uh Yelich at twelve. Freddie Freeman thirteen. Trevor Bauer fourteen. And you Darvish fifteen. So any reactions to any of these picks? Anyone here feel like a reach or
1: No, not really. I mean, pretty much pretty standard what I feel like it's gonna be. I, I should say that I uh I slightly considered Yelich too, but he was probably third of the three for me that I was looking at. Um, I was a little, little surprised when um, Tati with Tatis getting to six. Yes, I thought he would go five when I saw the first four, but it's not that big of a deal. I mean, it's it's one of those things. Like if that's how you want to build, you want J Ram. I get it. You know, it's not. It's not that big of a deal. I, I don't think in most drafts Tatis will get to six, but no, yeah, I don't, most, I'd almost guarantee most,
0: you the guy picking five. He he was thinking about positions when he right. laid, took Ramirez yeah. there.
1: Yeah, like the scarcity of steals at third and stuff too. I mean, that's part of the argument, like we mentioned before. But yeah, I think it's pretty uh, pretty standard for the most part that first round there. Yeah. Okay, so let's move
0: on to the second round. And at pick 21, you took another guy that really shouldn't surprise many, and that was Bryce Harper as your first bat taken. The same question. Were you considering anybody else there at 21?
1: Yeah, so this this one I, I want to say I'm trying to remember offhand, but I think the guy I was weighing was um, Max Scherzer. Yeah. Mm. And Luis Castillo, both of them, kind of. Oh, hi. What's your dog's name?
0: Yeah, that would be Reese's <laughs> just making an appearance, hearing something going on upstairs. That was uh, that was good timing. <laughs> he liked no, but yeah, he, he wanted Max.
1: <laughs> I think I was... Um, yeah, I think... Off memory, I think it was like Scherzer Castillo, uh, but wanted to go with the bat because I had already taken the pitcher, so... But yeah, I mean, I love Bryce. I would probably take Bryce somewhere around the wheel if I was, you know, picking there. Um, yeah, I feel like he could still have that MVP season. I don't really want to miss out on it, and even if he doesn't, he's still pretty good. So
0: yes, and I said this before in the off season, his skills showed improvement this this last year. So if you're looking at the batting average specifically, that. Uh, it should have been, like, he had bad luck to hit wherever he finished, like 250 or 260 to where, yeah. I'm all in on Harper there. Um I'm not going to do this each round, but I do want to read off the picks in the second round also. So at pick 16 was Lucas Giolito. I'm just going to 16 through 30 here. Then Walker Bueller, Francisco Lindor, Cody Bellinger, Manny Machado at 20. And then, like I said, you at 21 with Bryce Harper. And behind that was Beau Bichette, then Aaron Nola 23, Jack Flaherty, Luis Castillo at 25, Adalberto Mondesi at 26, Kyle Tucker at 27, and then we got Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, and Tyler Glasnow finishing off with three pitchers. So there were some surprising names going in this going in the second round, and I think Kyle Tucker being the headliner in terms of surprise. What are your thoughts there on that pick? Tucker at 27
1: yeah that was um that was the first point I don't think I had seen you know I obviously have never seen Kyle Tucker go this high in a draft but I hadn't even really like given much thought to it either at this point and um when he went off the board in that spot uh, I was, I was surprised. I mean, or just, it was, like I said, one of those like shock moments type thing, you know? Um, I don't know if it's for me. I mean, I get it. I, I do get it. Like he has a lot of prospect pedigree, had a great year this year, pretty much does everything. I mean, he's contributed five categories and, you know, playing time isn't an issue anymore and stuff like that. So I, I get it. I on, i could see this working out fine it's just um that first time when you see that it was uh it was definitely a shock to the system yeah
0: i mean fantastic year nine home runs eight steals 33 runs 42 rbi and 58 games that's i mean he's a five categories of production i mean he's hit 268 and really throughout the minor leagues he's not a huge batting average guy in his early st- stints and you never know that could always change but he's a he's been really good but yeah that's a really early pick for him
1: uh, i will say the other the other draft that was going on when i was doing this one i was kind of following it cuz they were they were posting like the first round or two on twitter a couple 2 3 rounds maybe and um tucker went in this exact same spot in that draft as well wow. 27 so it seems like it's going to be somewhat the norm. I mean, late second, early third, probably. I think as ADP right now at this moment is 32. So it's a little bit after that. But the yeah, hype's somewhere, there. That's somewhere what that there. says. The hype is there. Yeah. yeah.
0: Any other reactions to the second round? Um, me looking, eight pitchers went. That sure sticks out to how much this that position was pushed up. But do you have any other reactions?
1: No, not really, but, I mean, I'm. we're already getting to the point at the end of this round where I'm not sure how I feel about these guys as my ace. Like, Tyler Glass now at 30, I don't want him as my ace, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying he can't be that. I mean, obviously he can He's got nasty stuff and all of that, but, I mean, there's innings questions, and I don't know. I just... The number of guys that I'm comfortable with is my as my ace that I'm just like I want the guy as my ace. There's probably Coldegran, Bieber, Bauer, Darvish, Gilito, Bueller, Castillo, that's eight. probably Scherzer, Flaherty, Nola, eh. And then I don't know if there's too many others. Yeah. I, I don't, just don't, I don't want to wait on, I mean, it's not a, I'm not going to say it's a bad thing to have Kershaw or Glasnow or Woodruff or Gallen or Maeda, but I don't know. I just, I feel like if I had one of those guys as my ace, I would want to back it up pretty quickly with a number two. So yeah, I'm kind of a uh, team pitchers early, I think.
0: I'm team Cole DeGrom-Bieber early, and I definitely get squeamish after that. You and I have talked about this a lot. I'd Seeing Bauer going in the first round and Darvish, given how up and down both of them have been throughout the last five years, and Darvish has been better than Bauer. Bauer's been so up and down. I like Walker Buehler there at 17, but, man, I'd, I just... There's a lot of these second wave of pitchers that make me nervous. I get why they're going where they are for the reasons you said, I yes. just yeah. i I think I don't know what I'm gonna do whenever it gets to this point. I know I like to I would like to get one of the big three for that reason. Just feel much more comfortable with those guys than the next wave. Okay. Uh third round, you picked at forty and you took someone that uh when we drafted with Tim, I said I'd taken the top thirty in Nolan Arenado. I love that pick.
1: Yeah, I I um it was kind of in a spot I just I almost felt like I had to do it, you yeah. know. It was just um obviously like the way I kind of look at this Nolan pick I feel like as the off season wears on um you know, once we get the players reporting, spring training and all that or whatever, assuming it's a normal, you know, back to normal off season, which who even knows on that at this point, but if he's looking healthy, and he's on the Rockies, I feel like he'll move up into the late second round. Would I, that would be about where I would guess that he goes. So I probably got a discount on him. Assuming those two things, I do think he'll be healthy. Like I'm not too worried about his health. I'm more worried about him getting traded. I would say um, if he gets traded, I don't like this pick. Like I'm not gonna be happy about this pick. Um, that said, I don't think that it's something where it's going to lose me the league or anything like that. I mean, I, I still think he would probably produce as like a fifth, sixth rounder maybe. I I just won't really want Nolan Arenado if he's not on the Rockies because I feel like, you know, you look at his road numbers recent years, I just don't won't feel great about it. But that said, I mean, if he's where he's at, I mean, it's hard to argue with getting him in course and the later part of round three.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Two guys went back-to-back there that are both third basemen that fell. They were both going around the same spot in the drafts last year, and that would be Alex Bregman and him. And here they are going at 39 and 40. They have dropped.
1: Yeah, I actually like... All four of those picks in the middle there: Albie's, Real Muto, Bregman, Arenado. I think all four of those.
0: That's weird. To we're me probably
1: to... probably later than they should go.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree. Uh, I, Real Muto is weird to see up there, but he's he's been steady in catchers so bad. I get it. Yeah, those are good. Those are four good picks. Uh, only three arms went in the third round, and twelve bats. Any reactions to any other picks here in this round?
1: No, not too much. Robert at forty one. Yeah. What do you think?
0: <laughs> it's like it's got the Kyle Tucker sticker shock, except I I would much rather have Tucker at twenty seven than I would have Robert at forty one, I'll say that. Yeah, I would too. Oh, they're my dogs again. Um, yeah, they they did not like Robert. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No,
1: I think it could work out with Robert, but there's just a lot of things that have to come together, and um, it's probably a guy that you know maybe you want in an overall competition because of the steals upside, yeah. Get all that, and it's but um, yeah, just a lot of uh, a lot of questions there for me with the I, tool and stuff.
0: I was having that conversation about Robert with our good friends Ben and Ryan in the chat, and I was telling them because we were talking about Robert and you know they're very open about not liking him but I'm like you know what in some sort of league where you're going for an overall first place prize I I could defend taking him somewhere like that if in that type of league where it's boom or bust but that's about the only kind if I'm trying to win the league no Okay, moving on here, rounds four through six. We need to keep this moving, so let's talk about your next three picks all together here. You went with all Andrew McQuiston guys between these four through sixth rounds. You took Lance Lynn in the fourth, Nelson Cruz in the fifth, and Aroldis Chapman in the sixth. Let's start with Lynn. He's reached another level in these last two years, but he's been around a while. Explain why you prefer him here over some of these younger, younger arms with, I'd say, maybe b- the upside guys like Burns and Nelson lamette that went just a little afterwards.
1: Yeah, I was between, with this pick, I was between Lynn, Snell, and Burns. And I wanted to take Burns, I tell you, I did. But it really just came down to innings for me. Like, I am pretty comfortable saying that, you know, I mean, Lance Lynn can lead the league in innings pretty easily, I yes. feel like. I mean, there's just no restriction at all with him, and there isn't going to be really until he breaks, you know. Yeah, he has a rubber So run. So it kind of was like that was the separator for me. I mean, I think Snell is really good. I think Corbin Burns is really good. But Lance Lynn's been really good, too, and he's thrown more innings, so that was really what it was, um, just kind of wanting to lock that up, because I know it kind of dries up as you move through the draft. Um, so yeah, just got him as my SP2 and was pretty happy with that. Cruz, I've said my piece a hundred times about it, I just, um, one of these years it'll burn me, but kind of wanted him there, just stable source for four categories, and um, I don't care about the locking up the UT spot. It's, it's fine when the production's that good. And it just continues to be, you know, like, felt good about that. And then with Chapman in round six, I was kind of in a spot. So Liam Hendricks and Josh Hader went in late round four, early round five. And um, there's probably, without counting them out, a list of six to seven closers that I felt comfortable with right now that I just wanted one of. And I've always been a Chapman guy. Um, Not sure if I could have waited, honestly. Like Edwin Diaz went a little bit after him in the next round, and I would have probably been okay with him too. But um, yeah, like I said, this early in the offseason, I just wanted to lock in one guy that I'm like, this guy is going to get me saves. Yeah. no matter pretty much no matter what happens this off season so yeah glad yeah. i locked that in and allowed me to do some stuff later that i wanted to do
0: yeah all good stuff okay let's take a quick break here we're gonna come back and we're gonna get it dive into your round seven through ten Okay, Andrew, uh, coming back here at pick number seven, round, or I should say round number seven, uh, you went with Charlie Blackman, veteran for the Rockies. Uh, that's your second Rocky taken, come to think of it. And then you went in the eighth round with Tommy Pham with the Padres. And then you took Tommy Edman, multi-position guy with the Cardinals, and then one of your other young guys that you really like in Dustin May in round 10. Um. Let's. I want to talk about the last two of these two. I don't really have much to add with Blackman and Pham, good veterans that have been around a while and solid picks. But Tommy Edmond, your ninth-round pick, he disappointed in 2020, especially, I would say, I, I, I say this as somebody who owned him in leagues, and I'm mostly talking about the stolen base department. But you still took him here. Why is that?
1: Yeah, it was mostly in this spot. It was kind of um, there wasn't anybody that I loved. I needed middle infield. I needed speed. I still think he's he's probably a guy I would project for around 15 steals. Mm -hmm. But I think he's going to play. And the biggest thing with him is he has the best positional eligibility on the board. I mean, I knew that if I made this pick – it's definitely not my favorite pick of the draft, not even close really, but I knew it would open me up later on to be able to take guys at different positions, like kind of what do what I wanted to do. He qualifies at second, short third and outfield. And I just feel like in a draft and hold, that's massive. So, um, went with that and don't feel too bad about it. I'm not sure I'd do it again, but, um, yeah, I'm happy with it. It just, it opened things up for me later on. And that's a big thing is like you can kind of take, you know, and when I say that, I just mean that I can move him, you know, obviously because he qualifies at both middle infield spots. I can take either one later. I'm not locked into taking second base or shortstop and I can kind of move him around. I mean, those guys are so valuable in this format because when you have injuries piling up or guys not called up to the majors exactly when you hope they are, et cetera, et cetera, you can move a guy like Edmund just all over the place. And constantly, you know, constantly play him, which I'm going to play him, you know, so nice to have that piece. I mean, there's a few guys like that, but I feel like he's even the most versatile because of all the positions. I mean, he basically qualifies everywhere. So
0: and he's in the 95th percentile still in um, sprint speed, 97th the year before. So he's still really fast. So that backs up your claim about him possibly getting 15 steals. And yeah, I can buy that completely in a, a with the position eligibility.
1: Yeah, when I got when I got to this spot I felt a little um I was irritated on this eight nine because it was VR, um Buxton and Robles all went and I mostly I wanted Buxton, but I wasn't really looking at him until like the following round and I wasn't quite ready for Robles yet either. But I was really close on VR when he went, so that kind of bummed me out. And I most, I mostly mention those guys because they just all have elite steals potential. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not the greatest of hitters, obviously, but one regret that I have in this draft that I wish I would have done is I don't feel like I got a super elite steal, like high upside steals guy. No. Other than a guy a ways down the draft. So I try to – I tried to kind of piece it together, you know, little here, little there, little here, little there. And then if you do that enough, I mean, obviously you can have enough without having that, but it's still nice to have that one guy that you, you could, you could envision getting 40 steals in like a perfect case scenario. So I don't really think I have that, which kind of bummed me out, but I tell you, they, they were just really aggressive on those guys. I mean, even the guys that I would consider not that great hitters, I mean, they're just getting bumped up and bumped up, which I understand, you know, I just wasn't completely ready for all that, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's so hard in that list of guys who can possibly steal 40. It's just getting smaller every year, it feels like. Oh,
1: yeah, definitely, yeah.
0: Um, Your 10th round pick, Dustin May. He's your starting pitcher number three there, so obviously you're feeling pretty good about him going into next year, I guess, right?
1: Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously the biggest question with him will just be innings, but I feel like he'll be really good, obviously really good team. And um, there's still some upside there. So yeah, Yeah. I felt, uh, felt good about it. I knew, I knew I'd be taking guys later on in the draft that are going to just get me innings and kind of, you know, can fill in the bulk that he may not provide when he isn't providing it. But I mean, anytime Dustin may is pitching, he's automatic start to me like i'm just i'm not sitting him basically ever so maybe in cores but that's about it and that maybe not even then honestly i don't know but you get what i'm saying he's pretty much locked in there so yeah Good I was organization
0: happy with that. too yeah okay so at this point you're 10 rounds in how are you feeling with your squad and what do you feel your biggest need is
1: uh, middle infield and speed. And if you ask me at the end of round 50, I'll say the same thing probably, <laughs> but okay. yeah, that, that was kind of like my focus at around this point. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, we're going to shoot. I'm going to down here. I'm going to read off all t- your next 10 picks rounds 11 through 20, and then we'll dive into some of these, uh, round 11, you took Josh Bell, whose ADP definitely f- took a fall from last year. And then you took Nick Anderson with the Rays, possible, likely leading candidate to close for them next year. Then you took Jared Kelnick with the Mariners, Josh Donaldson with the, actually, free agent. I almost said Toronto. Wow, that's outdated. Uh, James Paxton, round 15. Jorge Polanco, round 16. Corey Kluber, at 17. Andrew Vaughn, with the White Sox, at 18. Aaron Hicks, at 19. And Joey Bart, at 20. There's a couple of these to dive into, but I think we have to start with Jared Kelnick in round 13. That is aggressive. It just kind—it's of, a—but on the same note, that's like the kids going last year. That's actually cheaper than what Luis Robert was last year. So Kelnick, uh, round 13. Give me a 2021 stat line, assuming there's a 162 game season.
1: Well, I think it mostly comes down to exactly when he's up. But if I had to guess, I would say it's like mid to late April. So I'm going to say 270 to 275, somewhere in there. 20 to 22 homers and like. 12 to 15 steals something like that okay so that's assuming i mean that may, those may be a little high but it's as, assuming he's up in mid to late april which i know it's early and we don't know all that right now but that's my best guess at the moment and if obviously you know i'm drafting other outfielders beyond that so um kind of account for him not being there if he's not but Let's be honest, I mean, he's an elite talent, he's going to be up, and I expect him to be pretty good. I know I was saying the same thing about Carlson last year, and he wasn't the greatest, but in round 13, if I miss the pick, I mean, it's not going to kill you, you know? So
0: Those numbers remind me a lot of Austin Meadows in 2019 and then Kyle Tucker this year. That's what that reminds me of. It's not too far off of those guys. Skill-wise. So, if you were to got, get that out of him in round 13, obviously, that's great. And, yeah, he's going to be up early, it looks like. Um, Corey Kluber is someone we didn't really talk about this year since the position rankings. Uh, I think he had an injury and was gone pretty early. On your team, he's a starting pitcher number five. I'd like to hear your thoughts here because I really haven't heard much about Klu- much at all about Kluber in, in a
1: while. Yeah, so really, um, you know, I was kind of, during this part of the draft, I'm just trying to find, and really throughout, as I mean, I could say this for most of the draft, but I'm trying to find something that's a little bit scarce that, you know, that maybe just sticks out a little bit from the rest, whether it's, you know, combined with what I need, obviously. And I kind of felt like I needed a pitcher in this range, and it was just one of those things, it's like, With Kluber, and I've never been the biggest Kluber guy, even honestly, even in his days when he's been great. I mean, I've never, I haven't owned him a ton. Um, Last year, I want to say, I don't have it pulled up, but I want to say he was going in round seven, and we both hated it. And a year later, or less than a year later, he's going in round, or I'm getting him in round 17. Do I mean, obviously, I know there's risk, there's been injuries, and there's all kinds of stuff. I also know that he has been elite now. In the not too, I mean, just to give an example, the two guys that went right next to him Seth Lugo and Dane Dunning, Seth Lugo, the pick before Dane Dunning, the pick after. So it's just kind of one of those spots. Like, I think I can get. 150 innings out of him maybe more I mean I don't obviously the health is going to determine a lot of it but w- if if he's healthy I just feel like he's still a good pitcher and yeah he's obviously going to be in the road like there's no risk of him coming out of a rotation or any type of stuff like that so I don't know I I actually read something about him um, potentially going to the Dodgers Oh, which i thought was, which i thought was really interesting too it's just it's round 17 you know and it's in my sp5 so if i totally whiff on this pick whatever but i think there's upside here when with, with a guy like that so
0: and one thing you said touched on there is what i was going to bring up except i was going to mention a few more names when you said yeah i know there's risk but And listed off Dunning and Lugo. I mean, here are the starting pitchers that go in round 17 in this draft. Just to show you how much pitching is getting moved up and how hard it is to find at the end of these drafts. Marcus Stroman, Luis Severino, uh, Drew Smiley, Corey Kluber, Dane Dunning, Nate Pearson. Yeah. Uh, That's a lot of risk with all those guys. Yeah, I mean, there's
1: there's innings risk with all those guys, basically. So... Yeah, it's like if Kluber's this cheap, just give him to me. And, you know, if, if he's terrible, then at least I just whiffed on my 17th round pick as opposed to my 7th or whatever it was last year, you know. I'm kind of always trying to find that um, as I go through the draft, you know, just something that if X happens, Y happens, whatever, then it's going to be really good. And I, I think even with Paxton, too, and Paxton's similar. They're actually they're both free agents. I mean, it's it's actually pretty similar. Mm-hmm. But if you told me like Paxton or Kluber was a top twenty starter next year, I wouldn't even be surprised. No. Really. I mean, one of the two or whatever. I mean, I I, I looked at um Steam. I actually just looked at this today. So and obviously I drafted him. Drafted him a couple weeks ago at this point, but um Kluber Uh, dollars earned wise for 2021 steamer projection i just got it sorted here he's the 30th starter based on projected dollars earned and i got him as my sp5 yeah so whatever you think of it i mean it's just kind of like the risk reward you know the, the reward just outweighed the risk to me so
0: okay next up you've talked to me privately about andrew vaughn I'm pretty sure we haven't discussed him here yet. Let's hear it. What are your thoughts for Vaughn? I mean, you taking him here in round eighteen kind of feels out of the blue to me when I'm just looking. Again, I haven't been I haven't div, dove into draft prep to the level you have this early in the offseason. So all right, tell everybody else about Vaughn.
1: Yeah, I love um I love Vaughn for next year. It especially in this spot. I mean, a few things to keep in mind. One, they declined, I believe it was the, or they declined the option on Encarnacion. So he's pretty much gone unless they re-sign him, and I just don't think that they would. I mean, why would they? And Rick Hahn made a statement saying that Vaughn is viewed similar to Robert Madrigal, I think Eloy too, you know, where, I mean, kind of what that's telling me is, they could sign him before the season and he could be up opening day. I mean, obviously he's, he would slot right in and end spot. And if that happens, I mean, he, you ain't getting him in round 18. I can tell you that much. Like he's going way up this board, probably. Gosh, probably into like the round 10, 11 range if that was yes. announced and maybe even higher. So Yeah, I was kind of in this spot. The other thing was, too, and like I said, this is kind of how my mind works, but like I took Josh Bell in round 11. I don't love Josh Bell. I think he can bounce back some, but I love getting Andrew Vaughn in round 18 because if Josh Bell doesn't bounce back, I've got Andrew Vaughn in my back pocket and he could, like, I can foresee a scenario where where Andrew Vaughn is better than Josh Bell. Yes. And I'm just using him. And also not to skip too far down, but I took Votto in round 30 and I just love the, I I really like that trio because it's like bell, you know, we'll kind of find out this year with bell. I feel like it's going to go one way or the other. He's going to bounce back or he's just going to continue to slide. And I could see either potentially happening, but it's like, I've got Vaughn as my potential real breakout and Votto is my fallback. That's going to get playing time. So just kind of like that is my uh, kind of my first base group.
0: It's funny you say this, and as you were talking about Vaughn, I was I was looking down further at the board, seeing who you took as your uh, next first baseman, and I was yeah. just seeing Votto, and then I saw you took Matt Carpenter later also as another corner guy that'll probably get at bats. So yeah, I like the veterans yeah, to I combine kind of, with them.
1: I kind of looked at it too, like I wanted to take a shot on a guy when I took Bell. And I was like looking down the board and there was really no first baseman that I was going to take a shot like with Vaughn, you know, later in like the 30s or the 40s. I mean, it was kind of like get Vaughn or don't get anybody for first base, you know. So, yeah, I was happy I got him. I was really happy with that pick. Yeah. We'll see how it pans out. I mean, obviously, you know, you never know. But it's just – great lineup great ballpark i mean assuming that he's in there early or you know possibly even opening day i i don't know for sure on that obviously there's time to figure that all out but um i think it could be fairly early and could be pretty good so
0: anyone else you want to discuss on this round 11 through 20 before we move on
1: mm. i don't know how i feel about bard as my first catcher but yeah. It was kind of like an upside thing there. I think he'll play, but it's just, it's kind of at the spot where um, I kind of had to jump in on catcher. So
0: it's funny. I saw that. I cringed when I saw it. And, you know, I get that catchers are ugly in general, anyways. And Danny Jansen went the pick before him. I would have, I'd rather have Danny Jansen, but I also keep going down with that ship. But I actually like Carson Kelly, who you took two rounds later better. I think, yeah, that's have- why
1: that's why i backed him up with pretty quick yeah yeah
0: okay uh let's take a uh let's see yeah we'll take a quick break here and then we'll come back and we'll get on this the latter parts of this this draft Okay, rounds 21 through 30. Round 21, Andrew, you took Masahiro Tanaka. And then round 22, you took Carson Kelly, like we mentioned right before the break. Elvis Andrews, round 23. Adam Eaton at 24. Madison Bumgarner at 25. Garrett Crochet, one of your um, bold predictions from last year. took him here in round 26. Another youngster, Jazz Chisholm at 27. J.A. Happ at 28, Kyle Wright at 29, and Joey Votto at round 30. And When I was looking at this list of 10 guys, uh, my first reaction is, dang, it's either really old or really young here. I don't know if you had a single guy in his upper 20s on this list. I didn't look. My best guess was Carson Kelly. A lot of veterans with a couple kids mixed in.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I feel like kind of at this part of the draft, it's like you're either going for guys you think are going to get playing time or you're taking shots. And um, I felt like I kind of had a little bit of a mix of that. So, yeah, Andrews and Eaton at 23 and 24, I mean, that's a lot lower than they were going last year, you know, and right, rightfully so, I mean. But one thing to keep in mind, and I think we've all, like, are going to be guilty of this, this off season, but mm. this past season was 60 games. And for some guys, it was less than that. And when you're looking at, you know, when you're sitting there and you're looking at Statcast data and you're drooling over a guy or you're upset with like, Oh God, that guy was terrible or whatever. Just remember it was 60 games. It was less than 60 games in a lot of cases. Like I had a, a guy send me a Rowdy telez um, stat cast earlier. T- I think it was today or the day before or, um, and it was really good. And I told him, I'm like the one thing that, you know, everybody or everybody that is into that will be like, Oh man, look at this. And he's breaking out and all that. And maybe he is, But it was 127 plate appearances, and it doesn't say that on those red bars. Mm -hmm. So just keep that in mind. I mean, like getting Andrews and Eaton in 23 and 24, I definitely like that. Um, Crochet, I don't really know what to think, but the one thing I know, that guy is an awesome pitcher, like at least in the the bullpen. Mm -hmm. And I still think, like I said, basically the day that they drafted him, I still think he's their best reliever. I don't know how they're going to utilize him next year. Obviously it's way early for that. I would prefer with this team that he just stays in the pen short term, but I think there'll be a point where they try him as a starter. I don't know if it'll be this year or whatever, but um, I just feel like whatever innings I'm going to get from that guy are going to be good. And he's probably going to chip in a few saves just because he's in the bullpen. So like that, and then yeah, just kind of filling out depth, and like I said, the thing with Votto with kind of combining him with the other two guys. Also, was trying to take shots with middle infield, so because I kind of have addressed that as a weakness at this point. So, um, Andrews Chisholm, just trying to kind of stack guys and hope that uh, hope I hit on one or two.
0: What are your thoughts on Jazz? You know, he came up and got some playing time. I think he was playing in the playoffs for him, wasn't he? Wasn't he starting? I think
1: he, I think he did at least one or couple of, a few of the games. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I can't I, remember exactly. I, I, I don't it wasn't every game, but
0: how do you think what are your thoughts on him, you know, upside obviously and I know you've long been a fan of the Tools. What odds would you give of him popping next year? What percent chance would you say think, of him like popping?
1: I don't think it's real high, but what I will say is I think that he's going to get run like where he'll play. And um I just think that there's at least enough potential juice there. You know, if he's just gets hot or something like that. But I mean, I don't know. As far as true breakout, probably 25%. I mean, I don't think it's high, but. But, yeah, it's like he qualifies at both middle infield positions. He should play some and, um, you know, power speed type. It, like I said, in, the, in this part of the draft, you're just kind of taking flyers. So I think it's probably a guy that is going to take a couple years to really get going. But that said, I mean, if I'm wrong, then it could be really good in this spot. So
0: Yep. Okay. Well, let's move on to rounds 31 through 40 here. Um Round 31, Miles Straw. Then you took Nico Horno, Julio Rodriguez in round 33, Emilio Pagan at 34, uh, Jose Quintana at 35, round 36, Johnny Cueto, Brent Suter at 37, Kike Hernandez round 38, Jason Castro at 39, and Josiah Gray at 40. I didn't mention this in notes. I wanna say right off, I really like taking Jason Castro as a third catcher because that guy is so good at framing. He's gonna get play. He's gonna get play. Yeah. And that's just a good I think that's a really good NFBC pick. I took him this last year in a as a number three or four catcher and I was very happy with that. And but um
1: Yeah, when you get to this part in the draft with and I noticed it a lot, but with catchers and middle relief or um, catchers and relievers. I feel like the separation between, you know, like just for example, somebody that goes in round 25, as opposed to someone that goes in around 40 or 45. I don't feel like it's that much.
0: No, like as much as as it is 29, Jason Castro at 39.
1: Well, yeah, like, like Adley went in around 29 and, I mean, is he even going to be up next year? I don't know. You know, obviously that's a, that's a different type of play because you're playing on the upside if he is, but just somebody like, you know, Luis Torrens or Alejandro Kirk. I mean, they went like 15 rounds ahead of Jason Castro and I just don't, I don't know, like, I don't feel much better. So I kind of with, with that was just waiting and waiting, you know, like I was like, none of these guys stick out because they just they're all kind of the same, you know? And when I feel like they're all the same, I'm just going to keep waiting. It's kind of, kind of just my philosophy here in the later rounds. So,
0: yeah. Uh, Julio Rodriguez round 33. That is sexy. I mean, like Kellnick, he could be up in April or May.
1: Yeah, I don't, I definitely not expecting that. I don't think he'll be up that early. If I thought that I would have taken him way earlier, but, um, I kind of liked having like having the combination of those two because I think that, you know, like just hypothetically, if something were to happen to Kellenic, I think Julio would be up. Like, I think that one of them at least will be relevant early on. And obviously you hope both are, but um,
0: it's possible.
1: Yeah, I just kind of. I just kind of liked having that. The one thing that I did have to do, though, with doing that is just draft plenty of outfielders or guys that qualify in the outfield because you kind of have to prepare Mm -hmm. for neither two. I mean, you can't just assume that they're both going to be in there. There's a very there's a there's a really good chance that neither one of them is up for the first two or three weeks of the season. And it's like you can't take zeros. So Mm -hmm. I was trying to kind of backfill with other guys like i got brett gardner later and stuff like that so just trying to get guys that get at bats i mean i've got quite a few of those i felt like so felt like i could take another shot but i will say i don't feel um i feel like there's a chance julio's not up all season too i mean it but you take him in round 33 because of who he is
0: earlier in this draft you mentioned you relied on speed and you um had one guy that was a spec pick i'm assuming you're meaning miles straw
1: there Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, man, I tell you, if that guy could just get some regular run, I mean there, there's a, the negative, obviously he doesn't have a lot of power, but if he gets regular run, I mean, I think steamer has him for like 26 steals and he could, he probably won't finish around 26 steals because he'll either finish with like eight or nine or 50, you know, (laughs) because just depending on how much he plays, but, um, yeah, if he if he gets regular run, I mean, he could definitely save me in steals pretty good. So, and
0: uh, in twenty twenty, the Astros outfield was Springer, Brantley, Tucker, Reddick. Now it's only Tucker as of right now. So they have two yeah. spots to fill, and they might fill them both. But if they don't, and they just give Straw a run, and I want to mention I have seen him play here in Double-A Springfield. The I I've mentioned before, I live here in Springfield near Springfield, Missouri where the Cardinals Double-A team is, and I've seen him play here and yeah, he I think he's an impressive player and if I wish he was in another organization the last few years because I mean, he's got a good bat, he takes walks, and provides speed and good defender out there for that, you know. Speedy outfielders are usually better defenders. I actually don't know what his metrics are. They usually are better. To where, yeah, I I like that. I'd love to see him get some playing time there. Um, anybody else in these ten you want to discuss?
1: Not really. I'll just say with uh, I I really like the Emilio Pagan pick in round thirty four, and it's mostly just because I feel like he's always close to saves. Yeah. Or at least, you know, in the in the mix for saves. And that's kind of what you want when you're taking relievers down here. I mean, like I said, there's not a lot of separation with a lot of these guys. I mean, you could look at guys that are 10 rounds apart and be like, well, man, that's the same guy. And I get that. But, yeah, I just um, I feel like he's going to fall into some saves pretty much no matter what. So I like that pick. All right. Let's
0: get into these final 10 picks here. Dart throws and hopes for innings and games played is what I saw when I looked at this. Um, Matt Carpenter around 41. Brett Gardner at 42. Royce Lewis at 43. Tony Watson at 44. Tyler Freeman at 45. Eric Gonzalez at 46. Hansel Robles, closer for the Angels a year ago, at 47. Jose Osuna at 48. Jake Rogers at 49, and Nick Ladolo at number 50. Um, I have to say, I was pretty surprised Royce Lewis, he didn't go until the 40s. I know Minnesota does have a lot of players, and they do have some log jams in their system, but he's a top prospect in baseball, and feels like he's on the doorstep to the bigs. Kind of seemed a little late to me. Did you think you got him later than you expected, or about right?
1: Yeah, maybe a little, but about right. I think that obviously you don't know when he'll be up and you don't know if he'll be good. I mean, there's there's yeah. a few things working there, you know, and the log jam, kind of like you said. But, yeah, it was like with him and Freeman, i would just go to him too because they were both in this range. But I kind of had in mind, like, take a couple more shots at middle infield, field, you know, because I knew – like I said, going through this draft, I just kind of wanted to um, get a couple extra shots on guys like that because if I, I mean, if I can just hit on one or two, I'll be fine, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually feel like those two could both uh, both give me some value this year. I'm I'm really curious with Freeman. I've, I've never been a big Freeman guy, like prospect wise, but I feel like if they move Lindor like he could just fall right into playing time pretty quick. I, I, and I had kind of that on my mind too. So, um, I also liked Bobby Wood jr. Went in that same round as Freeman. And, uh, I heard some rumors floating around that he might be up in April or may. So it's crazy as that sounds it's, um, yeah, it is. But I was actually kind of planning on taking him in here and then Those other guys' names were there too, so it was like, uh, whatever one I get, you know, it's kind of like that. I mean, sometimes I'll group guys. Like, there's four guys here. I got, I want one of them, and then when three of them go, I'll take the one, you know, the fourth one or whatever. I kind of am constantly doing that throughout the draft. But through a couple darts with saves with uh, Watson and Robles, and just filling out depth like Eric Gonzalez, Osuna, Rogers, they're just backups with eligibility that I needed. So really uh really all it was
0: okay so um this is your first draft how are you feeling about your team overall
1: pretty happy overall i I would say that um the biggest things are if i can just get enough speed i mean i feel good about my team other than that like i like my starting pitching I would have liked to have taken an extra shot or two on a, on a pitcher. Like I didn't, I didn't really get like that. Um, kind of that prospect type pitcher that could explode. I mean, I did get Josiah gray, but other than that, I didn't really get anybody too much like that. Um,
0: yeah, and like you got all had, over like, Pearson last year and guys like that. Yeah. Yeah, I,
1: like I had six though in one that I that I did really good in last year, too. I got him in like round 38 or something, you know, just stuff like that. So you just take flyers on guys. I didn't take a ton of pitching flyers, but I feel like it's solid overall. I feel like my offense, especially aside from the speed, will be will be pretty good. So overall, I I was pretty happy with it. The, um, I had to laugh, but the, uh, when you get done with the draft, I don't know if you even heard when I said this or I'd mentioned it in one of the chats, but the fantasy pros thing, it like grades your draft and they gave me first out of the 15. There you go. It was like, it was like a, a hundred or it said draft grade 100.
0: Congratulations! A, you already won the a, league,
1: right, right? I'm like, oh, that's a death sentence. If heard, you know, but um, yeah, it just kind of made you feel makes me feel good. But then it's like, uh that doesn't mean nothing. That that doesn't pay out.
0: So no, but it's still better than seeing that you're projected to be 15th. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to know how many of those teams that are projected to fin- finish 15th win leagues because I bet yeah. it's, I bet it's a much lower, oh, like a really low percentage
1: yeah maybe i don't even I don't even know how they do that, but um yeah overall i I was pretty happy with it i I mostly though with this draft and even with my next draft, um, just kind of getting a feel for everything, you know, like what do you think about uh Wander Franco in round fourteen? That's where he went in this oh, draft by the way, I
0: did not notice that.
1: Yeah, right. Uh basically around after Kellenic, I actually was kind of thinking about those two and I took Kellenic.
0: Well, you're going to get two more months of production or I should say probably 45 Maybe. 45 more days. I do not think the Rays are going to bring Wanda Franco up until Super 2. They just unless they can sign him to an extension, which I don't remember I think I was listening to Prospect 361 with Rich and Tamman. Um, Wander comes from a family that's better off than some of like the Ronald Acunas who are coming over and, you know, they getting that life changing contract, get signing the team friendly deal is a life changer for them and they do it. He he was speculating that Wander won't be the type to do that. And if he's right, I don't think they'll bring him up. I just I nothing from Tampa's history has really been that way with elite prospect bats. Now Wander's probably the best prospect bat that's come through the system since Evan yeah. Longoria, if ever.
1: Yeah, ever I would say, but yeah,
0: I don't know. I I maybe let. I got an idea. Let's let's do a three sixty five bet on this, putting it right at super two. Whenever that is, I say he comes after. You say he comes before.
1: Oh no, I'm not saying that.
0: Oh dang it. Okay.
1: No, I'm I'm just asking what you think. I don't really know. I mean.
0: I just don't think you put it this,
1: put it this way. Let me just say this. I don't feel comfortable taking a hard stance right now on when these guys are going to come up. Yeah. I just don't feel like, I mean, obviously you can make a somewhat logical guess, but it's still kind of a guess. You're right. And I mean, every year I recognize that I recognize that even with me taking Kellenic and Julio you know on down the Vaughn you know on down the line it's kind of like how much of that risk am I willing to stomach and then okay now that I have a prospect there I need to make sure I get at bats in mm-hmm. like those specific positions and spots and stuff
0: yeah and that's a good that's question. why I was what, that's this guy why I was get a
1: shortstop
0: with... let's see here I'm seeing uh, Brigio well, and
1: yeah, VR, yeah. Biggio, Hira.
0: Okay. So he's got himself yeah. a middle infield that's pretty good. So Yeah, he took a shot and you Yeah, know, well I it's mean not I'm, not saying, I'm not saying
1: I'm not seeing other teams do exactly like I'm saying. I just um, you know, like I said, when I took a guy like Vaughn and then I took a guy like Votto, kinda like something like that, where it's you know, you just gotta make sure you're covered because you only get fifty picks. I mean it's once you're out if you you know, if you don't have the at bats, you're you're done. Like you're you're just you're really going to struggle. So you can't take too many shots like that. But I feel like you got to take a few. So
0: I don't think I'd have the stones to take Wander
1: that early. But
0: if it works out, it could win you your league. So I I've, yeah, I've got to acknowledge that too. So then you're right. We don't know. We don't know. Um. If you could change a pick now of any of all your picks, which one what what would be the one you'd be most likely to change?
1: Man, I probably I probably like you no know, I probably would have taken um when I took Tommy Pham and I don't re- regret taking Tommy Pham. I actually kind of like where I took him. Me too. But I wish I would have taken VR and it's mostly because of the way that I could have built my team. Yeah. Like after that. And I know VR is a risk. I mean, I know exactly what I'm getting with VR, but just to have that, um, that steals upside guy. And in that spot, I probably then wouldn't have taken Edmund the pick after, yeah. And I could have done something different with that pick. So, yeah, I just waited a little too long. And I, I'm i totally comfortable with VR in the eighth round. Whatever happens, happens. But I'm totally comfortable doing that.
0: Yeah, I've got a draft and old start coming next week, and I'm going to have to decide that because I always want to get the speed guys too.
1: But, gosh. There's actually a lot of picks in... Like a lot of hitters, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying at the beginning about the pitchers versus the hitters, but in rounds like 7 through 10, there's just so many good bats. Yeah. I mean, just to name some off, Meadows, Eugenio Suarez, Glaber, Hira, Blackman, Stanton, Goldschmidt, Castellanos, Conforto, Fam, uh, VR, Rizzo, Baum, uh, Matt Chapman, Bryant, I mean, it just goes on and not like yeah. Grandal, Carlson, Loriano, Yastrzemski, Lux, Brantley. I mean, Moustakis, there's, there's tons. Like, there's so many. And I just, I feel like this year, and I mean, this is only one draft. There's going to be a lot more, obviously. But I just feel like this year, you can construct a really good offense after taking two pitchers in the top. 3 to 4 rounds. Maybe even the first two rounds. I mean, I like actually one of the guys whose team I well I like a couple guys teams, but um that was one of your next questions, right? Who others teams that I liked?
0: Yeah, I was going to ask that here in a bit.
1: Yeah, um one guy started with Tatis and then he took Castillo and Gallen and Strasburg, two, three, and five. And I feel like he filled out, you know, like after that he got Jordan, who obviously has some question marks, but, well, he got Pete Alonso in round four, which I thought was pretty good. Jordan, Glaber in round seven, Alec Bowman in round eight, Buxton, Loriano, Sano down the line. I, I liked the way that, um, he kind of constructed it because he has two stud pitchers and maybe three. If Strasburg is Strasburg, then it's real. It could be really nasty. And then um, the Degrom Nola team. I like what he did too. Even you know, even not taking a hitter in the first two rounds, he got yeah, a lot like of guys. His... He got a yeah, got a lot of guys going down. So
0: he may be a little light on the power department, but he's got a lot of speed upside. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and even and, getting... And he's you know, got my boy, Eric Cosmer, so he's going to win the league.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I liked his team. It went to Grom, Nola, and then Real Muto, Devers, Kevin Biggio. Those were his first five, so...
0: Okay. Well, yeah. My, yeah, my last like question. Um, it, you know, we talked about... You already mentioned that speed, you feel, is your biggest question mark, but... What category or categories do you feel strongest in compared to the field?
1: Uh, Probably my offense, like just aside from like power and average. I feel Mm -hmm. like I'll be good. And I feel like I should have plenty of innings and my – I think my pitching's pretty good. Yeah. I, I, I mean, obviously, you know, some of these guys are going to break and it, it may not wind up being good. Yes. But right now. Um, I feel like getting like Paxton, Kluber, Tanaka is like my four, five, and six. And then filling in some guys later that could, you know, be spot starters or, and you're or in a whatever. Be- so
0: you're in a much better position than almost everybody else closer wise, too. I mean, closers. We've talked about this before. There's like five to eight closers that are maybe set right now for teams, and yeah. you've got one deadlocked and one that I would say is a pretty good chance. I mean, I've mentioned my hate for Tampa and how trying to own closers in that organization, but Nick Anderson's going to get save chances on that team. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. When I when I took Nick Anderson, it was mostly like I read an article. I think it was on FanGraphs about. How kind of like drafting saves and stuff. And it was just talking about how, you know, we should start to kind of train ourselves to just draft talented relievers Mm -hmm. because they're all going to get saves or at least, uh, you know, in most of the bullpens. I mean, not all of them, but a lot of the bullpens there's going to be. And obviously, Tampa is one of them. But yeah, with Anderson, I knew I'm like, you know, maybe it's only 15 saves. Maybe it's only 20 saves, whatever it is. But I mean, he's a stud, you know, so he's the type of guy that even if it's five saves, I'm using him all the time because he's better than a seventh starter or whatever, you know, that's going to just blow up my ratios. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I was actually happy with my relievers. I mean, getting Chapman and Anderson and then crochet like i said i really like pagan and then filling it out with uh tony watson and hansel robles i mean any type of saves you get out of that you just take it and run and i feel like i can get some out of really all those guys so
0: yeah well thanks for getting in this draft early It gave us a real fun show to talk about and um i think i've got a draft next week too so it gives me something to look at over the course of this week i and I'm sure a lot of the listeners appreciate that too, just because everybody always likes hearing about drafts and talking drafts. Mock draft podcasts are typically really heavily downloaded. People like hearing this stuff, so thanks for doing it. And um, any final words before we get out of here?
1: No, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Like I said, just kind of feeling out the the draft, and I am uh, I'm glad I did not draft Mike Clevenger.
0: that's true
1: and who was the who was the other one um oh robinson cano oh
0: yeah
1: Yeah, i'm glad i'm glad i did not draft. it's not the same guy for those two right it's kind of no it's not it's (laughs) kind of like a minefield a little bit right now because that stuff obviously can happen and it may very well happen to one of my guys in the next few months but um it kind of sucks to just think you're already Hmm. at 49 guys you know yeah round so, 15
0: for cano i was just looking so
1: yeah round five clevenger went clevenger at the four or five turn yeah
0: yuck well yeah, it yeah. Sucks. thankfully you you've dodged the two fir- first two landmines
1: hopefully you'll continue yeah. doing so
0: this off <laughs> yeah
1: yeah so. it's a skill i tell you don't let them don't let tell you otherwise it's a skill <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: right and it's bad luck it's bad luck when it happens to you <laughs> yeah all right, well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back here soon, we'll keep bringing, out, bringing the baseball content all offseason. Appreciate you all. Take care, everybody.
1: Yeah, take care, guys.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 Podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, We would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball
1: 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.